You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the last few games for the Jets. They've shaken up the lineup, so that's going to be the big focus. We're going to talk about the improved play of Patrick Laine, and then we're going to end the show with the most controversial topic of the week, the firing of Don Sherry. Stay tuned. So it's been some interesting last couple of games for the Winnipeg Jets since we last podcasted, Kyle. Um, Brian Little, we talked about it on the last show, going down with that injury against the Devils. Haven't heard much of a timetable on him. Have you heard anything about that? No, I mean, it's it, there is pretty much no timetable. And it, it's fairly rare that injuries like that happen, that there's essentially no timetable. Uh, but just given the nature with uh, the head, being a head injury, you never know how that's going to work out, him being in hospital for multiple days. So, I mean, it's more of just an indefinite. It could be weeks, it could be months. Heck, it could be the whole season. At this point, nobody really has any idea. Yeah, so hopefully he's all right. But so now the Winnipeg Jets have tried to uh, put their lineup together without Brian Little in the picture. And so now the last couple of games, they beat the Canucks 4-1. They beat the Stars 3-2 in overtime. And then they lost to the Avalanche last night 4-0. Looking at the line combinations, and I think this is the biggest surprise. This is the biggest shock. This is going to be what we're talking about today. Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler are not playing on the same line. Kyle, what do you think about this, looking at the lineup for the Jets? Yeah, it's really interesting because um, you never know what the Jets are going to do when they lose a a good centerman. Um, We've seen Brian Little out of the lineup before, and we've seen guys like Jack Rozovic move to the middle. We saw at the start of the year Andrew Kopp was playing in that uh, second line center role because Little missed the first couple weeks with a concussion. so a lot of people just assumed they would go back to Andrew Kopp in the middle on the second line. The Winnipeg Jets throwing a massive curveball to essentially everybody uh, and putting Blake Wheeler at center ice on that second line, breaking up Shifley and Wheeler for essentially the first time in a long time. Um, granted, they've been broken up a few times here and there, but they've been largely connected uh, for the better part of two or three seasons now. And little, um, little being out, Wheeler moving down to the second line, it gives a whole new look in my opinion, an entirely different look to the top six. Now, you were kind of talking about, you were going to talk about this on the podcast last time, but we just didn't really have time to get to it. But you're excited about those two kind of being apart from each other. Well, I mean, you just look at their results together this year, and it's been horrible. You look at their results together last year, and it was also horrible. Uh, last year with Kyle Connor, yes, they got lots of points, but they were routinely outshot. They were outchanced. Uh, their expected goals were well below 50%. Definitely not numbers you want from a top line. Uh, so I think this change is hopefully better for everybody. Uh, it gives them a different look. Um, we've seen the, the the top line of Connor, Shifley, Line look really good together. We've seen some glimpses um, of that second line with Ehlers, Roslevic, and Wheeler. Um, so I like the switch for now. We'll see if they uh, they keep it up and, and can continue to play not too bad. The crazy part for me is that you lose Brian Little, and yet somehow I feel our top nine even is so much more balanced. Does that make any sense to you? Because when you put Connor, Shifley, Line together, that looks like an elite line, just based on those guys on paper, and from what I've seen, those three look pretty good. Then Ehlers, Wheeler, Roslevic. Wheeler in the middle, the way he goes in on the forecheck, Ehlers and Roslevic can both skate, even just from the eye test and from what I've seen, that looks like an elite line. Cop with Lowry, and then with Perot too, he can be such a driver, playing together on that third line. To me, it seems like our top nine is just really solid right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it, it almost comes down to the, the, the question of, is Jack Roslevic better than Brian Little? 
and maybe that's a weird question to ask, but if you look at the top six, it's the exact same six players except for one. It's Roslovic in for Brian Little. Does that make that top six that much better? Well, I think... Maybe. I mean, yeah, Roslovic has different different attributes than Little has for sure. He's way faster, a um, little bit more skill, um, Little maybe that more consistent type player. But like you said, it kind of transforms the top six just with that one change and then a little bit of a shuffle in lines. Well, exactly. It, sh- it shifts it around, and I think Kopp is more effective than when he can play with Lowry. And then you're not moving Rozovic to play with Lowry and Kopp up to the second line. Kopp, I feel, is better suited for Lowry in that style. And then Perot, we've seen him play up and down the lineup. I think he can create a little something there with Lowry and Kopp. And then I just really feel solid about that top nine. The fourth line didn't look bad in the other the other day. I don't mind the way Gustafson's kind of coming along. And I'm not sure Logan Shaw and Yuna Luoto are long-term NHLers on the fourth line for the Winnipeg Jets, but even just having those guys kind of just in the lineup now, I think moving forward, the Jets are going to need more depth on that fourth line. They're obviously a Appleton back, Little back. to Even if Little could play with those guys on the fourth line and just create more balance, I think we'd be better. But I think right now that fourth line is obviously a big drop-off from the top nine. Yeah, I totally agree. And speaking about that third line, this, the instant Matthew Perot got on it uh, instead of Jack Rosovic, um, it, it's kind of been night and day for that line the last few games being uh, absolutely exceptional, um, dominating in, in shot attempts, in shots, chances, all that sort of thing. Uh, Lowry getting his first couple points recently as well. So the re- thing is really shaping up for that third line. But yeah, that fourth line um, really getting buried out there the last two games. Uh, I believe last game they had an expected goals for of like 10% or something outrageously bad like that. Uh, they're just not generating the offense. They're not giving up tons, but they're just not generating any offense at all, uh, which you'd expect from three essentially fringe NHL players. I would like to see Mason Appling come back onto that fourth line. I'd really like to see Brian Little come back into that fourth line, leave the top six intact, and then you, you run a fourth line of Little, Appleton, and fill in the blank, and I think that instantly makes your fourth line more viable and your entire team, all of a sudden, that's probably your best line if you're going to be rolling. Well, you could go Little, Appleton, and then if you move Perot down and then move somebody up to kind of play with Kopp and Lowry that can play kind of that simpler style, maybe that would be a way that you could move it around. But when you look at line combinations, that's just the forward unit. On defense, getting some guys back, I feel a little bit more confident as well now that it's Morrissey, Pullman, Kulikov, Pionk, Beaulieu, Spiza. Still not super confident yet, uh, but where are you on the defense? I'm a big fan of Morrissey and Pullman. I think uh, Pullman, after he came back, after having a few games out, uh, he, he's really taken a lot of strides in not too much time. He looks like an NHL defenseman out there. Uh, the rest of the team, maybe not so much. The Jets are in desperate need of Sammy Miku. He needs to be called up as soon as possible. I mean, he's absolutely destroying the AHL. Um, I think it's something outrageous, like nine points in his last seven games or, or something to that effect in the AHL. He's just tearing it up game after game. There's no more question of if he's hurt or not, because that was the question a few weeks ago. He's obviously fully healthy. He needs to get up with the Jets. He's got nothing left to prove in the AHL, and he can make the Jets a lot better just with his skating ability, chipping in on offense. That's exactly what the Jets need on the back end. I haven't hated Spiza, but just watching more and more of Kulikov, there's times where he misses assignments or he just doesn't make the right play. I've been... 
I'm really not a fan of Kulikov anymore. I was kind of, I felt like I was defending him a bit last year. I'm, I think I'm kind of coming off of that camp. I definitely want Niku back in the lineup. In my opinion, I would take Kulikov out. As soon as his contract is off the books, I think that's definitely going to help the Winnipeg Jets. And then one other guy I forgot as far as injuries are concerned is Gabriel Bork. And so then I would potentially put Bork, Little, and Appleton back into the lineup and then taking out uh, Shaw, Gustafson, and uh, Luoto. And, but again, we have to wait on those injuries. We still don't really have much of a timeline, especially for Little, and then still waiting a while for Appleton, and then I'm not sure about Bork as well. And so, uh, as far as that goes, I know Hellebuck's been playing pretty well lately, kind of looking at the lineup over the last few games. Wasn't their greatest game against Colorado? Do you have any points about that last one against la- that last night? Well, the funny thing is, um, people say it's not their greatest game, and it depends how you look at it, because yeah, well, they, they didn't got score for nothing by a goalie who's never played in his life. Uh, but that was the first game in a long time where they, they got more shots in the opposition, they got more scoring chances than the opposition, um, they had a way better expected goals than the opposition. I think that's the first time almost all season that they've had all three of those in one game and they had it against the Avalanche, yet the goal's not going in their direction. Um, so, I mean, that's going to happen. But when you look at those stats, the, the top line yesterday had a Corsi 4 percentage above 80%. Like, just an outrageous number. Like just a phenomenal game from the top line of Connor Shifley, Line If they can continue to do that, outshoot their opposition at such an obscene rate, they're easily going to outscore their opposition in the long run. So I'm not worried at all. I think it was actually a pretty good game. It was just, um, if you look at my takeaways post, if you go to check it out on Jets Nation about the game last night, uh, the specific issues regarding the team last night against Colorado was just the defensive lapses. And it happened three or four times, leading to each one of their goals. It was just one little mistake, and boom, the puck's in the back of your net. Other than that, they actually played not too bad. So now with uh, Paul Maurice uh, separating Shifley and Wheeler, what are people complaining about now on Twitter? That's one of the biggest complaints we've seen for a long time. Now now what are they going to complain about? I mean, Niku's the big one right I now. I guess. Like oh, so, sorry. I forgot. I guess. I have tried try and stay off of Twitter because it can be such a negative place, as most of you guys know. Uh, but, yeah, I guess that would be the next one, I guess. There's always got to be something, right? Oh, for sure. All right. So the next segment, and we're kind of segueing in because you were just talking about Line A before. We're going to talk about him a little bit more uh, here in segment number two. Well, goals have been tough to come by for Patrick Line this year. Uh, that will be an understatement, but he... Blew an absolute rocket um, on a, on the power play. Scored a scored a goal there from his office, and he's almost looking like he could be scoring again. But I want to talk about the rest of his game. His entire overall offense, his entire overall defense has been really good this season. Now I've noticed that as well, and I think we've mentioned it just briefly in other shows. But it seems like we're getting more of a complete game. Yeah, hundred percent. And we saw it against the Avalanche last night. Um, there was a couple times where. Line a specifically on the back check in the neutral zone caught his guy, stole the puck from him, and ripped it back into the offensive end, and then they went back and retrieved it. And it's just a phenomenal play, a play that we wouldn't have seen even last year or the year before from Patrick Line, a, a guy who's hungry to win the puck back whenever it's taken from his stick. Um, he, he's playing such a, a better game. He still has issues in his defensive end working the puck off the wall. But just that willingness to to skate harder, to get back, to win those battles, for me, that's the biggest thing, and it's showing in the results as well. So now, right now, he has 15 points in 17 games, and those are just the hard numbers, the basic one the casual fan looks at. His shooting percentage right now is 6.5%. 
His career shooting percentage is at 15%. So that is well below. So you got to think, it's not that his shot's gotten worse. you got to think that that's got to bounce back up. Well, for sure. I mean, pretty much everybody will regress to their average eventually. Maybe not early in the season. Probably maybe not even by the end of the season. Maybe next season. But you got to think it's going to start going in for him. And that's why I mentioned that goal he, he scored against Dallas. Um, just an absolute rocket into the top corner. It seems like he's... He's starting to um, find his shot a little bit more. And, and early on in the season, uh, especially on the power play, he was ripping a lot of his shots wide. They were going over the net. They were going beside the net. Now he's getting a lot more of his shots actually on the net. So I think we're going to see that shooting percentage improve because he's been looking a lot more dangerous out there recently. Now the Jets changed up their power play units. I noticed that they moved, correct me if I'm wrong, but they moved Line a and Wheeler off the number one power play, if you want to call it that, and then put them on the second what did you think of that move? Yeah, it's really interesting. They uh, they went with the I, the first unit is being kind of the Shifley unit, um, if you will, with I believe it's four lefties and one righty on that on that first unit, and the second unit being four righties and a lefty. Uh, just kind of a weird look. Uh, Andrew Kopp as well getting moved up to the top unit. Uh, Perot playing on the second unit. I guess that's kind of normal. But Ehlers moving up to the top unit. Just a, a real big shuffle, kind of merging the two units together. Um, I thought the very early look at it was excellent. They were moving the puck very quickly along the walls, behind the net. It was a different look than we've seen before, and it worked out in the first couple of games. Uh, last game against the Avalanche, they kind of got back to their really slow puck movement. Uh, the puck sat on Wheeler's stick for five or six seconds at a time before passes were being made. So I think if the Jets can continue to uh, work the puck back and forth quickly. It's going to open up the lanes for everybody, and that goes for both units. They just need to work the puck quicker because uh, that's what I saw from the Avalanche power play when they scored their goal uh, in the third period against the Jets. It was just a, a three or four passes really quick, a shot, a rebound, goal. That's something the Jets really need to emulate uh, from both their units going forward. Yeah, I like the speed, and I noticed the speed as well. And there's something to be said, too, about when if you moved Patrick Line to the second power play unit, again, it all just depends on which one comes out first, what line was just out there, how tired they are. There's a lot of different factors to it. But when he comes out second, say it's halfway through the power play, if the first unit's out there, they're staying in the zone, they're getting lots of chances, great. But then if all of a sudden he comes out for the second half, then maybe the penalty killers aren't as fresh or it's the second penalty killers that he's going up against. Maybe it gives him a little bit more time to get that shot off because it's not the top penalty kill that he's going up against. And then if you move Wheeler with him, then it's not such a demotion that you're playing with these lesser caliber players, but it creates a little bit more balance that you can try different things on the two different power plays and that coming out a little bit later might not necessarily be a bad thing. Just a thought from the strategy if they're looking to get both Wheeler and Line going on the power play, something to consider. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about Line or the Jets before we head into this next segment? I know the Jets are going out on a road trip here. Looks like they've got a couple of games heading down south. Yeah, I mean, the uh, once again, in terms of homestands, I would say this one was better than the last one, obviously. Uh, with, with two wins, essentially going two one and one in the in the four games, um, I think the Jets are kind of figuring out figuring it out at home. Uh, it's going to be curious to see what happens on their next homestand if we're kind of judging each one against the, each other. Is this what we're going to get all season? Do you think one or two wins, then one or two losses? Are are they just going to be a five hundred team for the rest of the year? I mean, it, it appears that way. It looked as if they were kind of turning a corner. They, they've actually been really good in their last 
um, seven or eight, nine games. They've been getting good results, winning games. Um, if that's kind of the new normal, um, we could potentially be seeing two or three game win streaks. But, I mean, I don't think this is the type of team that's going to be reeling off four, five, six games in a row. I just I, I don't see it happening unless Connor Hellebuck is playing out of his mind like he has been. Yeah, and right now the Jets are 4-2 and two in their last six games, and so that's pretty good. And then when you go back a little bit further than that, it's just a kind of a slower start. Hopefully they can uh, pick things up and figure things out. The last thing we want to get to, though, is the biggest topic in hockey, Don Sherry. All right, Kyle, so the biggest topic, we always save these heated topics for the end, talking about Milan Lucic last week, now talking about Don Sherry. Well, this is quite something. What do you what do you think about his quote? What do you think about his whole situation? Getting fired from the job. Obviously, this kind of hits close to home. Both of us talking about hockey. I do it professionally. I do it for my regular job. Now you do it here on the podcast. You write for Jets Nation. What do you think of all this? Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting situation for sure. I mean it's it's tough. Um, there, there's never there's there's no good way to describe what happened. I don't know what to say, to be honest. I'm at a loss for words. It just doesn't happen very often. Um, so here's the quote. I'm, you people yeah. that come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life. You love our milk and honey. And then he basically goes on to say that they're not wearing poppies. They need to be taught about uh, our uh, people who fought for our country, etc. Basically talking about immigrants saying they don't show respect, that kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. That's that's the summary. Yeah, essentially. So here's here's the thing about Don Sherry. We all know he's very opinionated, right? He has been forever. We all know he's a massive supporter of the military. He has been forever. Every year around this time of year, he he goes on a rant about poppies, about supporting the military, all that sort of thing. We know that every year, right? Not a surprise. Nope. The the issue here becomes is him specifically singling out uh, uh, immigrants, right? And, and that's that's the real issue here and, and why everything kind of went the way it did. Yes, the real no, thing... Nobody's arguing against Don Sherry being um, pro-military. Nobody's arguing against that um, Don Sherry thinks people should wear poppies. It's the way he went about it. It's the essentially the racist, not even undertones, the overt racism in what he said which is causing all the issues. Right. And I don't think people disagree with the fact that, yeah, people who come to our country should be taught about the history of Canada. People, I think, would agree with that, correct? What's that, sorry? People who come to our country should be taught about our troops and who fought for our country, correct? Sure, sure. 100%. People in Canada should wear poppies to support, correct? I would agree with that. And I think most people agree with both of those statements. However, when you combine and you lump them together, I think we're both on the same page here, that what he said isn't okay. You shouldn't be lumping people together like that. It's offensive. The The question, though, becomes, he said a lot of questionable things and a lot of cringeworthy things over the years. I think now this is kind of just the last straw that broke the camel's back. And people have used that expression to describe this as well. And so this is not anything new that I've said here. 
he's gotten himself into hot water over the years as well. And he said a lot of things about Russian hockey players and French hockey players and people should be more like the Canadian thing. He's been very proud of Canada. But it's one thing when you talk about hockey players. It's been another one, though, when you bring it just to people in general, and especially when it, when it comes to immigrants. If he just said, hey, I happen to notice that I haven't seen a lot of people wearing poppies. You guys really should be buying poppies. I love our troops. We should support troops. I think if he says something like that, I don't think there's any problem at all. Correct? No, I totally agree. And the same question, essentially, not not same, but a similar question was asked to Paul Maurice uh, on the next day. And, and he went on about saying how important the military was, uh, the service they've done for our country to allow us to be free, how everybody should be wearing poppies and that, and that sort of thing to support the troops. And, and the way he said it was essentially how it should be said because he was just saying they've done a lot for the country. Um, everybody as a whole, all of Canada, should should recognize that sacrifice people have made, wear a, wear a poppy, all that sort of thing. Great, perfect, great comments. Like, like you said, the real issue is when he's, he's singling out specific people, um, specific people groups, um, as not supporting the military. And it's just huge, huge generalization. Um, like I said before, it is just overtly racist to just assume that based on a person's appearance, they don't sort of support the military um, and, and all that that goes along with that. And, and I think that's that's here where the real issue is. And like you said, I agree. It, it's just one more thing in a long line of of racist, sexist, things like that that he said. And, and it's just this this is it. That's enough. It's kind of unique in the fact that it comes mid-season, comes on the fly like this, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Saturday night if they just bring another host in. It's going to be interesting if they can generate the same kind of... I don't know what the word is. Do you? I don't really know how to approach this. Should he have said that? No. Is somebody going to be able to replace him and have the same kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? The same kind of attention that Don Sherry has. He's one of those players or one of those guys that a lot of people tuned in for that. Yes, I didn't always agree with what he said. I liked his old school rough and tumble takes, the way kind of hockey used to be, the way he talks about hockey. It's kind of going away. You don't see that style as much anymore. The rough and tumble, the, the stick up for your man, the really conservative style. You don't see that as much anymore in hockey. And so it was always kind of fun to me. You, I wanted to see his crazy suit. I wanted to hear what kind of rant he was going off on today. And whether I agreed with him or not, it was entertaining. It was entertainment because you didn't know what you were going to get. Cutting off Ron McClain, kind of just yelling and ranting. It was fun. It's entertainment to me. I don't know if anybody else can fill that role. You're going to get somebody who's probably more politically correct, who's not going to step on anybody to- anybody's toes, but is it going to be as entertaining? I don't know. I realize he's 85 years old. This was not going to last forever. It would have been nice to see him kind of leave on his own terms, but I think a lot of us kind of expected that this day would come. Yeah, I agree. The one thing I maybe want to point out there, you say you want, you say that you're going to hire somebody who's more politically correct, and that's fine. The issue here isn't necessarily Don Sherry being politically correct. I think it's just him being essentially overtly racist is all it is because that's just his views. It's not like, yes, it is what he said, and but I just, it's not necessarily about saying the right thing. It's about 
thinking the right things, essentially, to, to have a person representing a national hockey broadcast, they shouldn't have those types of views, regardless of if they say them or not. There, there's no room for that on a national hockey broadcast, in my opinion. And, and everybody's talking about now how, how hockey unites us, and, and it should. And, and I think Don Sherry was a representative of essentially the opposite of that. Because you talk about how people would turn on the TV to watch it just to see the entertainment. I know people who did the opposite, who would specifically mute it during Coach's Corner or turn off the TV because they didn't want to see him. In that sense, he was almost, yes, he brought entertainment value, but he was almost more divisive for hockey than bringing people together. I would say he was more divisive. And it's just an interesting contrast between that Everybody saying hockey brings us together, hockey unites us, and no matter who you are, your common ground is hockey. And to have a guy like that on the show saying those types of things week in and week out, I, I think that's the reason why this, this change was made. That's kind of my opinion on it, my stance. So if you're going to – I'm interested to see what direction they take it, if they want to keep a coach's corner segment, if they just entirely rebrand and go an entirely new direction. That's going to be my curious thing going forward. I think they're probably going to go in a new direction. They may take a couple of weeks. If I was a Sportsnet executive, you'd think that they would have had some kind of plan in place already. Right? Like, he's 85 years old. He could fall down and break a hip. He could be injured. Like, who knows what? Right? Like, he's getting up there. Like, you don't know how long it's going to last anyway. So you would have had to have had a backup plan in place in the case of Don Sherry either A, not being well, or B, says something like this because he is somebody who could be prone to saying something like this. And so I think they probably have something in place. I'm going to be interested to see what's going to happen to Ron, what's going to happen to that segment. Because right now, generally, if, if uh, uh, Don Sherry's not there, Sportsnet, like on Wednesday nights and other nights of the week, they just kind of have that little panel that they do. And they do some other little segments here and there. It'll be interesting to see if they just kind of go with a bunch of random segments for the rest of this season and then come out with something like concrete, like the first intermission on Saturday nights is this, and then we know next year. Or it'll be kind of interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I totally agree. One of my thoughts, and a lot of people I saw pointing towards this, was um, add Brian Burke to the show. He's very recognizable. He's very opinionated, um, states his stuff with, um, not maybe the same fervor as Don Sherry, but still a very opinionated uh, hockey personality. Some people expecting him to be there kind of to fill that role. Uh, I think they're probably going to take it in an entirely different direction, like you mentioned. Surely they've had some sort of plan in place or a, or a potential plan in place. So um, it's going to be really interesting if they decide to do that instantly or if they still have Ron plus a guest going forward for this season. But, yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be really unique because it's been a staple of, of Saturday night for 40-odd for years. See, I would think I would rather go in a completely other direction because I think that when you put uh, Brian Burke in that spot, it just becomes, oh, this is Don Sherry light. Or, oh, this is, he's going to get so much more comparison to Don Sherry. It's going to be so much like... It's going to be too much direct comparison, in my opinion. But then if you just go in a completely other direction, you can start fresh and just do something different. You don't have to be keep being pegged into the same thing. So that does it for the podcast today. If there's anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Jets in Podcast.
Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.